Go wild with Nation Gear's end of regular season merch madness sale. Nation Gear is offering our favorite fans 20% off all regular season merch. And we're going to give you free shipping on any orders over $200. Stock up your closet for the playoffs. Rep your team and grab that merch you've been eyeing up all season long. Don't wait. This sale only lasts from April 1st until April 7th. Shop the sale at nationgear.ca. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is the Puck Poolies Podcast with Matt Larkin and Stephen Ellis. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Puck Poolies Podcast. It's Matt Larkin here with my friend and co-host, Stephen Ellis. And of course, Stephen, we have to talk Bo Horvat off the top. But before we do that... You know, we're more important than anything happening in the real hockey world. So let's quickly talk about our fantasy teams. What's going on for you? Well, I was hoping we'd skip this topic because it's not going so well. And uh, I think, uh, unfortunately, I've lost four of the last five matchups. And it's it's the worst street distraction I've had all year long because I started the year like 11 and 0. Um, part of it, I think, is just, you know, every team is... I can't say injuries have been really an issue, but I've had to make some adjustments, uh, not getting like, you know, these superhuman performances from Tage Thompson and, and Jason Robertson, like they were now they're playing like, like humans for the most part. And, uh, you know, going up against the guys got McDavid and, uh, and Matthews when Matthews is healthy, that hurts. So, uh, another loss, but, uh, I'm, I've already off to a really good start after one day. Granted it was one game on day one, but, uh, I'd say it's a good start over. Okay, that's good. I have a sneeze coming. Can I, can I get my can I get my spiel up before I sneeze? I don't know. Okay, I think I'm good. Um, well, it, it kind of gives me pleasure to hear that your team is tumbling in the four team league. I don't know why. I just think anything in that league is funny. Uh, in my league, I'm the opposite. I'm on fire. Six wins in a row now. Eight out of nine. My team is just on a run. I did make a big trade last week too, looking for categories. I was bad in plus minus, so I was trying to unload some of my sort of like empty scorers who were getting points, but also bad plus minus and not doing much in other categories. So I traded Clayton Keller, Andre Burkowski, uh, and Jeff Petrie as a throw-in for Tyler Toffoli and Jacob Truba. So I'm looking to get my shot counts up, my hit counts up, and I just think Toffoli and Truba just do a lot more they sort of contribute to more categories. So I'm, I'm entering like real buyer mode now, trying to make that one last deal to put, put me over the top, but uh, things are going well for my team. So Steven, before we get to our pickups, let's let's talk Bo Horvat. And we have a lot of great coverage on Daily Faceoff right now. I graded the trade. You have a great write-up on Atu Ratti. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his name. Is it Ratto? How do you it's pronounce it? At, Atu Ratu. 
Atu Atu. Okay, there you go. On that's on Daily Faceoff right now, but I want to talk about it on this show from a fantasy perspective. So, what's your immediate reaction in terms of Anthony Bovillier's fantasy value, Bo Horvat's? What do you think are the implications? I think I know you took a very hard stance. You don't like the the deal for the Islanders. I still think, like from a overall, like what are you guys doing thing? Yeah, it seems kind of weird. Like why why did the Islanders acquire him? But they get a guy that's, you know, if the Islanders still feel they could do something in the next couple of years and they sign him to a deal, that could work. Because I still think they got some good pieces there. For Vancouver, I don't think they got the maximum value, but I do like getting Ratu in there. I think he's a guy that will be a pretty solid middle six player. I don't really have high fantasy hopes for Anthony Beauvillier, but I think that in the end, we're looking at that first round pick and saying like, what does that end up being? And I think that's very valuable. So I don't think Vancouver got the full value in 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 a full hockey trade, and obviously the Islanders got the guy who's probably going to put up decent points the rest of the season here, which is he's Bo Horvat. But uh, I don't know. I think it felt a bit underwhelming overall. Yeah, I think it was underwhelming, and I think it's going to be underwhelming from a fantasy perspective. Bo Horvat, obviously a great player, but if you've been following him closely, the regression is already happening. Everyone was talking up Bo Horvat's 60-goal pace. That was a month ago. Now it's 50-goal pace. He's got two goals in his last 10 games. That shooting percentage was not sustainable, and he's going now to an Islanders team that just kind of kills fantasy value for, for star-caliber players. Uh, I think his skill set is rather redundant for what they already have. He kind of brings the same stuff to the table as, as Brock Nelson. And I just don't think he's going to be playing with the same caliber. If he's out there on the power play, for example, he's not going to be out there with a Quinn Hughes or Elias Pettersson or JT Miller and so on. Uh, so I think it's a downgrade for Bo Horvat's fantasy value. And I think you might see him produce more like the previous seasons of his career going forward. I could see a tiny little bump for Anthony Beauvillier because the Canucks, they're going to want to see what they have there. He's 25 years old, former first round pick. He averages 18 goals per 82 games in his career. So there's a little bit of upside there. Uh, so I'm wondering, even if it's just to showcase him in case they end up trading him later, but will they give him a little bit of a look and you know maybe second power play unit and maybe a try on the second or third line? I could see a little bit of juice there, a temporary surge. So if you're in a really deep league, I, I don't think it's the worst idea to pick up Bovillia on spec. And maybe, I'll, maybe I'm going to do that actually after this podcast finishes recording because I'm sure he's out there on the wire. He's got nine goals. He's, he's done very little. So I think there's sleeper value there, but overall not a super exciting trade for fantasy. Uh, Steven, let's move on now and, and let's talk, let's talk pickups. All right. We're going to start with the shallow pickup of the week. It's a goaltender and Anton Forsberg. Mm-hmm. So Anton Forsberg available in 45% of Yahoo leagues. And I'm keeping a close eye on him for several reasons. For one, we know the reports on Cam Talbot's injury. They're not super optimistic. There was talk of him, okay, he's going to be out until the All-Star break. Now it sounds like it's going to be longer than that. So the starter's job in the short term is there for Forsberg to take. He's 964 save percentage in his last three starts, 5-0-2 with two shutouts in his last nine games. And the other thing is it's not like we know for sure that Cam Talbot is going to come back from the injury and then be... Ottawa starter again. He end up he could end up easily getting traded. I think he's maybe in terms of the rental goaltenders the best one available at the deadline. So you could see him go to a new team, and then Forsberg has little competition this season for that starting job. Senators are starting to play a little bit better too. So that could be in a deeper league a pretty cheap source of wins, saves, maybe the odd shutout, and just get having a starting caliber goaltender on a team that isn't one of the tanking teams. So there's a little bit of value there with Anton Forsberg. Okay, I like that one. Going to medium, going to Pavel Zaka. 
Yeah, he settled in very nicely on the check line with, with David Krejci and, and David Pasternak. What's most exciting to me about the check line is when Jake DeBrus got hurt, the quick assumption would have been, okay, they're going to reunite the perfection line, which I believe they did very briefly and move David Pasternak off the check line to, to line one, of course, with his old buddies, Brad Marshall and Patrice Bergeron. But it's been Taylor Hall now playing the right wing on that line while they wait for DeBrusque. And Jim Montgomery's kept Pavel Zaka, David Krejci, and David Pasternak together because their chemistry is just so good. And that's a really nice boon for the fantasy value of Pavel Zaka. He seems to be staying in that top six role. Got 10 points in his last 11 games. You're not getting a ton of category juice with Zaka, so it's more just a guy you're looking to for points and maybe assist a little bit of plus minus, but that's still pretty valuable in a medium-sized league. And now we're going to a guy who likes to snipe shots uh, from face-off circles. I'm not sure he's done it a lot, but he did it. Uh, why are you going with Phil Beadle? I'm going to really nail the pronunciation for our old hockey news buddy, Ryan Kennedy, if he's listening. Phil Beadle, I know is how you say it. He's 80% available in Yahoo leagues, and we have seen the Rangers starting to juggle their lines a bit. The kid line has been reunited. That's Alexi Lafreniere. And Heedle in the middle, Capo Caco on the right wing. And you're seeing, I think, a tiny bit of additional trust from Gerard Gallant in that line again. We we saw we saw a bit of it in the playoffs. And I would note, I would note that yeah, Heedle's save percentage or shooting percentage is a bit unsustainable. It's a little bit high, but still, anytime a player has 15 goals in 41 games, it, it's an actionable item in fantasy. That's a 30 goal pace. And if you include the playoffs last year when he had a nice little run as well, he's got 23 goals in his past 61 games. That's a 31 goal pace. And this is a player with first round pedigree. He's only 23 years old. It's not inconceivable that he's having a, a relatively late breakout. So I think he's someone that should be on the radar in any league that's even maybe even a medium league but definitely a deep league all right and a wtf pick of the week joel erickson eck yeah i love joel erickson eck in fantasy he's someone i've been trying to acquire all all year i did trade for him last year and i'm just shocked that he's this available unless you're in a super shallow points only league i think he should be almost universally owned because he does so many things well he hits he shoots he scores goals he gets tons of power play time he gets tons of power play points and his current pace over 82 games, 31 goals, 68 points, 253 shots, 113 hits. He's just such a nice stat buffet player. That's what I always like to call him. You just get a little bit of everything, which is what you want. And I just don't understand why he isn't available in more leagues because he can help you in so many different categories. All right. And the tip of the week is never, ever punt a category in head-to-head -head formats. I'm interested to hear your take on that. Yes, this is something that comes up. I've seen it more commonly in fantasy baseball when uh, in my regular league, there's a GM bragging that he punted the, I think it was the saves category. He has no closers. He's targeting only holds. It doesn't matter. And I say, great, it's a 22-week season. You're now 0-22-0. No, you're 22 games under 500 to start the year because you've given up a category and that counts as a loss in that category every single week in a 22-week season. So you're literally starting way out of playoff contention and that's a problem of your own making. It applies to fantasy hockey as well for head-to-head -head leagues. So, for example, let's say you say, okay, I don't really care about I don't care about hits or blocks. It's a banger league, but I'm just going to leave those categories, let everybody else target those players. I'm going to load up on pure scoring. Okay, good for you. You're 0-44-0 to start your 22-week season. It's just a dumb, dumb strategy. People think they're galaxy-braining and they're monopolizing other categories. They can win most of their weeks by dominating other categories. But it, it, overall... There's going to be a week where you're going to catch a team that can equal you in the categories where you're strong, and then you're going to get crushed, and you're going to plummet in the standings. So balance is crucial in head-to-head, -head, and you're just shooting yourself in the foot. You think you're being smart. You're not. 
you're hurting your team and you're forcing yourself to climb uphill to make the playoffs. So don't punt categories ever. See, I, I mostly play in just points only leagues, but I really kind of wish I was in a more of a head to head league where the specific categories matter because if it was goaltending, I'm incredible at it. Scoring, not so much anymore, it seems like. It seems like that's all drying up, but uh, I feel like I'd be doing even better to the point where I'd probably be winning every single week, but it is what it is. We're going to go to our guest of the week, and I guess before I, we say who it is, let's just say. Uh, he's from the same place John Tavares is, and congratulations, John Tavares, for his 1,000th game. That means that he's also from the same place that you and I are from, I believe, if I'm correct, Stephen. That's Oakville. And yes, we're bringing on our buddy, Nick Alberga. If you don't like the fantasy advice from me and from Stephen, don't worry. We have an upgrade coming right up. Okay, we are very pleased to welcome back to the show our friend, our colleague, another fantasy expert, Nick Alberga, host, of course, of Leafs Morning Take, the show every day at 11 a.m., part of the Nation Network. So, Nick, before we dive into a few questions we had already talked about, I have to get your quick reaction to Bo Horvat because we talked about it earlier on the show. But what's your quick take in terms of what happens to his fantasy value? I think it plummets, uh, not to be too harsh with it, but certainly the New York Islanders do not score goals like the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, that was my major takeaway. I think they're obviously looking to boost and ignite that offense. Uh, they add sort of another center into the mix to go with the likes of, you know, uh, Barzal and, and Nelson and others. And um, obviously a lot of these guys play the wing and who knows if you'll see maybe Horvat on the wing at some point in time, although he's better suited, as we know, up the middle. But I think without question, you just look at the two offenses you look at the depth of both franchises. I, I maybe plummet's too strong of a word, but I think he has hit his peak in terms of fantasy value this season. Mm -hmm. I think we're we're in agreement there. Uh, so I was looking at, according to at least my league configuration, the goalie rankings this year in terms of fantasy production. Last year, or or at least going into the season, the O rank in Yahoo, the top five were Igor Shosturkin, Andre Vasilevsky, UC Saros, Jacob Markstrom, Tristan Jari. Current top five based on performance. Linus Ulmark, Jake Ottinger, Connor Hellebuck, Ilya Sorokin, Darcy Kemper. And you've got Vitek Vanacek and Alexander Georgiev right up there as well in the top seven. So it's just so topsy-turvy every year. It's so hard to predict this fickle position. Are you at the point where you're you're going full zero goalie in your strategizing in, in drafts going forward? Or do you still think there is some rhyme or reason to the position? Look, it's like running backs in football. I don't play fantasy football. I don't watch football, but I can tell you they get injured quite a bit. Um, it has quickly evolved into the one of the most uh, volatile positions in all of sport, right? I think we see it on a daily basis in Toronto where there's a goalie warming up, playing his former team. Next thing you know, he's, he's got an ankle injury. You know, he's got this, he's got that. Like, it happens around the league. It's not just Toronto. It's not just Freddie Anderson. Um, I think to answer your question, within reason, um, I'm willing – and it's always been a strategy for me, mind you, in fantasy hockey. You know, I said this to Pete Jensen, my co-host of the NHL Fantasy on Ice podcast. I just can't go as far as to draft a goalie in my first round, A, because it's volatile, and B, because there's so much turnover. I feel the same about defensemen, by the way. Kale McCarr, everybody had him in their top eight. I just couldn't get to that level. I think I had him 12, 13. It just, it's a tough league to replicate and duplicate unless you're like, of course, Connor McDavid. You just do better every year so i think with goaltenders the best route to take is like i wouldn't reach to begin with but if you held a gun to my head which i hope you don't i still think vasilevsky shesterkin everybody else like if i had a pivotal matchup in fantasy hockey i'd feel the most confident with those two but yeah it's been an evolving story hasn't it 
It has. And see, in my pool, goalies are very valuable. So I go out there and try to load up on goalies. And this week, uh, I believe with the way Yahoo works, it's like a week and a half of yeah. because of the fantasy hockey. So I went and picked a bunch of goalies that are playing this week uh, to try and get as many points this week and then just kind of hope next week's good. And uh, I needed it because I'm, I'm not doing so well right now. Um, but you like trades. You make it very clear on Twitter. You're a big fan of trades. What is one player you were desperately trying to trade for right now? Hey, I've got uh, T-shirts coming out, by the way, so look out yes. for that via Team LTD. It's going to be a lot of fun. So which player am I desperately trying to trade for right now? We'll start with that one. See, this one's difficult. Um, I think I'll tie in with the NHL trade deadline March 3rd. Uh, the first name I have is Vladimir Tarasenko. I think we're just at a point in St. Louis where the fantasy value is tapped out. I think they're middling team. I think you can always... Uh, Never know what Doug Armstrong is going to do. If you remember back a couple of years ago, he was a buyer and a seller with like Paul Stasny. Um, I still, I think they're going to do some weird stuff where they think they're still in, but they're not. Uh, but I do think Tarasenko, the writing's been on the wall. From, you know, as far as I know, he's never taken back the request to be traded. I think he will be traded, just sheer speculation on my part. And I think he'll go to a bona fide contender, whether it's the New York Rangers or somebody else. And I think it'll actually help his fantasy value. And the other has to be Patrick Kane, right? I think if you're a Patrick Kane owner and you've held on this long, there's like a month left. Uh, I think the meeting will happen. They say, oh, yeah, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. I think the meeting is going to happen, and then the floodgates will open where Patrick Kane is dealt in like the span of four days, very similar to Claude Giroux last year. So Kane, Kane came to mind right away because I just think he's got to get out of Chicago, obviously. I, I sure hope you're right. As I've said multiple times in the mm -hmm. show, I'm sitting on him. I'm hoping that my play <laughs> of, of trading Fiala for, for Kane and Taylor Hall, because they were expiring contracts. Yeah. So I, I rented them both and it better work. Otherwise it's a, it's a bad gamble. Mm -hmm. So on, on the flip side, Nick, who are you trying to unload? And hopefully no one in your, your league is listening. So mm -hmm. this is pretend you're telling us a secret, but who you're trying to, who you soft peddling out there trying to get rid of? Yeah, that's the problem. I'm in like four leagues and everybody listens to my stuff. So I just don't make trades anymore. And we'll get to that question later on. So there's actually three guys and I couldn't just, you know, base it on one person. So I took all three. The first, I think, has to be Borobat. We just talked about him. I think he's he's reached his value. I think I'm, I'm looking to get and extract as much value possible, so I'm putting him on the trade market. If I own him right now in fantasy hockey, I just don't know what he's going to do with the New York Islanders. You see every player go there. They never really reach their fantasy potential, so uh, I'm going to take the field there, Horvat, for sure. The other is Jack Eichel. Like If you recall, that trade was such a big-time story last year, and he had an impeccable... I would say like first quarter of the season, maybe first half goes down, hasn't been the same since. And I think we're seeing why and uh, how important Mark Stone is to that team. They're like one, five and two in eight games since he left the lineup. Eichel has one point in eight games with a minus eight in that time frame. And I think his fantasy stock is plummeting. I think you just have to find somebody out there who is just desperate for an elite player or, you know, somebody who can put them over the top, up the middle, and, and just pull the trigger. And the last would be Nick Suzuki, just more so of the uh, the Cole Caulfield injury. I just think his his fantasy stock just won't be the same. Uh, but, of course, you're running out of time there when it comes to Suzuki. And I'll add Freddie Anderson, too, because I just don't know when the guy's going to get hurt next. <laughs> yeah. Uh, honestly, I, I was looking at fantasy, like looking at the goalies. I'm like, I thought he was hurt because it yeah. feels like he's hurt every other day. He's okay. So. He's okay. It's like, it's like when he plays, he's fine. When he's <laughs> he got hurt while we were recording this, I'm sure he tweaks, yeah, probably making breakfast, <laughs> stubbed his toe. Nick, I want you to fill in the blank here. Yeah, teams are going to win fantasy leagues this season because they pick up blank off the wire between now and the playoffs. 
Yeah, so I should preface by saying I looked at players under 50% utilized in rosters uh, and rostered in Yahoo right now. So like some of these names would be like, oh, okay. But like, I don't know. I think in the long run, a lot of the guys are spoken for, but I'm just thinking along the lines of trade deadline, who's starting to heat up. So trade deadline conversation, uh, the guy who stuck out for me, who's 19% owned last I checked was Tyler Bertuzzi of Detroit. I think the writing is on the wall. I don't think he's resigning there. I don't think he wants to resign there. And I don't think that the team wants him, quite frankly. So I, I, you know, and granted, he has not been good since coming back here. I think a change of scenery is going to do this guy's this guy wonders. He'll be a top six fixture, I think, on a legitimate team who thinks they can win a Stanley Cup and could just play his game, muck it about. I think if you have hits, if you have penalty minutes, uh, points, I think he's just going to be way better than he has been the last little while. And he's proven it in the past too, right, to an extent with Detroit. The next is Andrew Mangiapane, um, a career low 9.3 shooting percentage last year. That's like nine points lower than the last two seasons, right, where he's around 18 or 19%. And I think we're starting to see him cook a bit. He has nine points in the nine in the past nine games. He's around 33% rostered right now. And I, I just think you look at Calgary in general, I'm probably a bit more bullish than others on them in the second half, finding their game, but more specifically offensively. So I will take that risk. I will pluck Manjapane off the, uh, the, the waiver wire and see what happens. And the last would be Nick Schmaltz. Um, I know Mike Gold on the uh, Daily Faceoff website had a really good article about Schmaltz being an underrated star. And I do agree. Nobody knows this, but this guy's been averaging like a point per game over like the last two years. And it's continued pretty much into this season. He must lead the league aside from Connor McDavid in like four point outings. He had one again last week against St. Louis. He's around 20% owned. So those are probably my, my three guys that stick out for me. Of course, Nick Schmaltz with the epic seven-point game last year. So exactly, I feel, yeah. I Why? Feel what you're How? <laughs> exactly, it comes out of nowhere. Uh, so, Nick, I wanted to ask you on about what I think is a pretty complicated fantasy situation, and that is with Austin Matthews and the Toronto Maple Leafs. This isn't your traditional. He's hurt. He's out for a little while. We have this bizarre situation in the standings where the Leafs have this ability now to load manage their stars. So because they're so locked into their spot, they're playing Tampa Bay no matter what. It's just jockeying for home ice. But they they can't catch Boston. No one can catch them in the two, three spots in the Atlantic. As a result, we don't really know how serious it is when the Leafs have an injured star because they could just be giving a guy extra rest with something he could have been playing through. So how are you, how are you appraising Matthew's fantasy value the rest of the season? We know he's out for a few weeks, but we yeah. don't know whether that will be load-managed for longer whether he'll be legitimately back and completely fine in three weeks so what do you think do you do you do you try and buy low right now or are you selling austin matthews what do you do i implore kyle dubas to uh invoke the uh kucherov you know the ltir kucherov imagine they do that um no i just i have a lot of belief in austin matthews obviously from a fantasy point of view he wins the hard trophy last season i think it's important to stress like you know we saw what happened he took like two games off a couple weeks ago I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. 
Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Came back like a man possessed, and I think we started to see the best out of Austin Matthews. And then he gets hurt again. Um, I think along those lines, like I think it's important to look at the structure of when they elected to pull him from the lineup. I think in total, there's going to be like five games over that three week span, something like that, as you guys would probably know better covering that team uh, more in depthly. But I, I think I wouldn't read too much into that. I know people were were a little, you know thrown back by, I would say, like the whole minimum usage of the word there in, in the press release. I, I wouldn't read too much into it. Um, I, I think he's going to be okay. And I think I would, if there's a risk I would take or a gamble, knowing I could pick up a, a bona fide stud who can be a top five fantasy player at, at uh, you know, time for the fantasy hockey playoffs, it's probably Austin Matthews. So I, I would look to buy right now. So let's pretend Matt is a deadbeat GM. Uh, Never. And he, he's known to just not try in these leagues and, yeah. and, and just give up. Sandbagger. Uh, yeah, exactly. How do you handle a, a guy like that in your pool? Is it kind of like a three strike rule? Is there zero tolerance or they don't respond to trade offers yeah. or do you just not care? So I should preface by saying that I used to be like one of the more intense commissioners. I, I love commissioning fantasy hockey leagues. I just love my stamp of approval, setting up the settings the way I want them and all that. But I think over time and maybe it's, you know, just how many leagues I've been in over time. And, and I know you guys have been in leagues for a long, long period of time that stem like 25 years. Like it's crazy. Some of the leagues you hear the dynasty leagues these days. I just don't really trade anymore, man. Like it's, it's really, really weird. I know it's a crappy approach, but like I just so I got so tired of everybody telling me off or texting them every couple of days saying, Hey, would you make this trade? And then when I do try to make a trade more times than not, the person's trying to fleece me because they're so scared of me fleecing them because they know what I do for a living. Um, so if you asked me like seven, eight years ago, I would have been like, Yeah, there's no tolerance, you're out of the league. And I've kicked people out of a fantasy league before. Having said that, it always runs into the issue if you pay. You can do what you want. And that's ultimately what happens when there's a trade vetoed. There's always that one trade. There's always that GM in your fantasy league that's look going to get try to get a, a, you know, ahead of everybody else. And they make that weird, weird trade. And you're like, no way. And then it causes a you know a problem in the league. Right. Mm hmm. It's funny. I feel your plight in terms of just mm -hmm. when people take advantage of your, of your profession, basically in every <laughs> fantasy sport, every player on my team, I just have to discount 10% off his value because exactly. everybody I try to trade is somehow, oh, it's a sell high. And anybody I'm trying to get is somehow a buy low. And it almost like the value goes up because, it's, well, if I'm making the offer, then I must know something that that uh, everybody else doesn't know. So I feel that plight. I, I still make the trade because it's it's my drug. I'm, I'm an, an addict, so oh, I yeah, still yeah. do it. But I, I probably lose a lot of trades because of that. We'll put, um, we'll put it this way just to finish. Like, So a guy in my league was selling off McKinnon. I'm in second place at a 12. 
I offered, and he's like, "Hey, give me a first. And I said, "No, it's a buyer's market. There's nobody out there to make a trade. Like the in my league, like nobody trades anymore. They're just so fatigued. So I offered a second in Caulfield, who's injured. It's a point system, anyways. It was a pretty good offer for McKinnon. He ends up taking Braden Shen in a first, and I didn't even message him. I'm like, like Caulfield in a second or Shen in a first. You have Caulfield pretty much for the next couple years in his prime, or you have Braden Shen, who you're not going to keep in a fantasy keeper, right? Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a questionable decision, but it worked out pretty well. I think, yeah, that's I can't see the logic there at all. Just yeah. like I can't see the logic in what the New York Islanders did mm. this week as well. Uh, but, Nick, it's always a pleasure to have you on. We appreciate it. The insights are great. And before we let you go, do you want to plug anything? What's going on this week? Yeah, just uh, heading down to uh, Sunrise and, I guess, Fort Lauderdale for the NHL All-Star Game. We'll be doing a bunch of uh, fantasy hockey podcasts uh, for the NHL Fantasy on Ice team. So, yeah, if you're in the area, come check us out. And Leafs Morning Take continues. Uh, we we have launched a new brand spanking new YouTube page. Eventually, we will be hosting the show live from that page. We're still currently on the Nation Network YouTube page. So it's the Leafs Nation 401 at the Leafs Nation 401 where you can subscribe, like, and just give us some love. And I appreciate your time today, guys. Excellent. Thanks, Nick. Well, that was great from Nick. And Stephen, it's your turn now to take the floor and talk prospects. And I guess we got to keep the Bo Horvat trade train going. And I know that's what's on your mind. So what do you have for us here from a fantasy perspective? Well, I'm talking about Atu Ratu today, and I put up a story today talking about his uh, kind of what his value to the Canucks could be long term. And I did, I did say that 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 he's kind of a middle six player. That's kind of where I look at him being. I don't think he's going to be the star player, but he's someone that I feel like still has very high ceiling. And I, for context, this was a guy that maybe in 2019, 2020, we're talking about him being the top prospect for 2021. And a lot can change in a short span. I know for 2024, we're already kind of flip-flopping on who the best prospect for that is. Um, but when it comes to a guy like Ratti, where he came on the scene, he was playing U20 hockey at, at 16 years old. He's playing at the juniors at a very young age. All these signs of him being really good. And then he stopped performing. He wasn't putting up points. He looked disinterested. And then reports come out that he lost the joy of playing hockey. He gets traded. He goes out there and he starts playing some fantastic hockey, uh, nearly a point per game. Comes over to the AHL. He's playing really good and even got a, a short stint in the NHL. I know some people on Twitter point out, oh, he got two points in 12 games. He can't be that good. Well, first off, he's a rookie in a new situation. And second off, the Islanders don't score a lot. And number three, he was also playing bottom six minutes. Mm -hmm. Now I think Vancouver, I, I know everything's really rough right now. I do think that things are going to start to iron itself out, especially if they continue to sell. You want to acquire as many first-round picks if you're the Canucks right now. And if you can go out there and get this situation where you can build a strong future, I think Ratu can be a key part of that. And he, he's 20, so he'll obviously be a little older. He'll be kind of at the, like I say older as he's 20 years old, but he'll be a little older than some of the guys that are going to be drafted in the next couple of years as part of this rebuild. So I think he could be kind of the centerpiece of it. So I think he's someone where uh, the situation might work out there. He, he might be able to play a bit more offensively than he would with the Islanders, but I think that's something where keep an eye on him. I think that he's going to, He'll probably do really well in the AHL this year. Abbotsford should be a good team. There's a lot of good veterans to work with, and he's got some good young guys like Niels Hoglander and Vesely Podkolzin uh, that he could play with too, and maybe they build some chemistry up. So mm -hmm. uh, I think that the, the future is bright there, but uh, you just got to be patient. For sure. And one thing I, I sort of had my eye on with Ratu and his 12-game stint with the Islanders, like you said, it, the ice time was minimal in the bottom six. I think it was eight, nine minutes. But in that time, he had 17 hits in 12 games mm -hmm. and I think 16 shots. 
So if you look at that as just a general total, it's not that impressive, but then you factor in the tiny amount of ice time and then you look at it in a per 60 perspective. And that's someone who's a generator in terms of shots and hits. So in terms of thinking about future fantasy impact, that could be a, a player with some nice category juice. Maybe someone who's kind of like a Joel Erickson Eck to kind of go back to that example from before who helps you in, in more than one area. So definitely worth keeping an eye on. I like the analysis. And again, everyone go to dailyfaceoff.com to find the great article deep dive on Atu Ratu from Steven. So Mr. Ellis, now let's switch gears and get ready to place some bets courtesy of our sponsor, ProLine. And if I'm firing up my ProLine Plus app, I, I'm looking, at least when I when I looked at it yesterday, they weren't up yet, but they will be. Uh, I, I was taking a look at the All-Star Game bets. And it's not an easy thing to bet on because you never know in a three-on-three tournament how it's going to play out, uh, just in terms of the makeup of the teams, how the line chemistry is going to work out. It's a real crapshoot. The home team has never won since the... <laughs> advent of the three-on-three format but i'm going to shoot my shot i like the vibes of the atlantic division and i'm going to bet on them to win the all-star game i like the fact that you have the kachuk brothers storyline there should be some instant chemistry considering they don't actually play in the same team i think that's sort of a little cheat code there you also have alexander barkov who's going to be out there you have two florida panthers in the lineup and kachuk and barkov that's a fun hometown storyline and you have Tage Thompson, who's going to be kind of a, a matchup nightmare. He'll be fun in three-on-three. Three. Linus Allmark and Net, who I think is really just soaking it in and, and having fun this season. So I'm just feeling the vibes. And I think vibes can be a tiebreaker in a crapshoot like this. So I think the curse of the home team not winning the three-on-three three tournament is going to end. And the Atlantic is going to win the All-Star game. Am I right or am I crazy? Oh, I like it. And I will say as kind of a fun little thing, I, I remember the one they first announced a three on three format years ago. And I said, maybe this is the format where we're going to get a goalie to skate the puck down the ice and try to score and make a really cool play. I say we should do that now. Let's have some fun. That's fun. I remember talking to Jake Ottinger before the season. He was singling out Igor Shesterkin for being an incredible puck handler. And Ottinger was saying, he was like, I can't even raise the puck, man. He could hit the roof. <laughs> so if it happens, it won't be. Jake Ottinger, who's the one doing it. Although Ottinger gets snubbed. I forget if he made the team. It was Saros and Hellebuck, I think. I forget now. Anyways, though, let's move on now to a quick word from our sponsor. ProLine Plus is not just another sportsbook, being the only sportsbook that gives 100% of the profits back to the Ontario government. It has been your local trusted sportsbook for over 30 years, now offering Ontario sports fans more ways to play in-store, online, or take the game on the go with the ProLine app with your favorite sports and events right at your fingertips. Download the ProLine app and bet in-app with ProLine Plus today or head over to ProLinePlus.ca to learn more. All right, Stephen, let's move on and take some questions now, my friend. All right, the first question is coming from Ranton Raven. If you're in a dumb league with plus minus as a category and you need a late pickup to make a dent in it, what's your strategy? Sort by high plus minus or something different? I think the sorting is a place you can start, but to me, this is a team thing. That's where I hunt for my plus minus. I actually did this last week, end up picking up Derek Forward because I needed somebody to give me a boost. And... I think the first thing you should do is just find the most dominant team in the league, find the team with the best goal differential in the league. Usually that's going to be a really strong defensive club. So the best case study here is just grab some Boston Bruins. And I think that's the way you work. You don't look as much as at the player. You look more at the team and you find players from that team. And they're going to be the guys who are more consistently a source of plus minus because it's not always in the player's control who they're out there with. So because of that, you want someone who's just playing on a good team that has Patrice Bergeron or David Pasternak, all those kind of guys out there dominating the play. So that's the way I approach it. I, I do think it's a viable strategy. So think team first before you think player 
Or if you're going player and you want a player on a good team who's also a really good defensive player, so whether it's it's on D or just a good defensive forward, like a Selkie caliber player, that's another good way to find plus minus. But overall, I'd say team is the way to go. Yeah, that's something where like there, that can be applied in a lot of aspects. I know like let's say 10, 15 years ago, you'd always want to pick like Jimmy Howard in hockey pools because you can always guarantee he was going to play a lot and still probably get 30 wins, even if his other numbers were not that great. And you can rely on that. But in like the playoffs last year, nobody in my league picked Austin Matthews uh, because no one thought the Leafs could make it out of the first round. And then they didn't. Uh, so it's something where you got to rely a lot on the team. If, if you're ever, if it's ever too close to call, Look at the team they're on. Look at the opportunities they get. And that's usually a good sign. Uh, Kyle Spradley asks, "Why? who do you like more as a pickup, Henrique or Tolvanen, standard ESPN points league? So the phrasing of standard ESPN points league, I, I can't tell if Kyle's referring to a league where scoring is done, just you get a point total, or whether, whether Kyle means it's a points-only league in terms of player points are your only scoring category. If it's the latter, if you're looking at only player points, I lean probably slightly toward Adam Henrique, even though he's not a player to ever get really excited about in fantasy. He's just a more reliable source of points. If it's anything else, if there's any variations on standard points league, then I think it's Ily Tolvanen easily because he's a better source, I think, going to be going forward of goals. He's showing some real juice with the Kraken. They're giving him power play time. He also shoots the puck a lot more than Adam Monrique, and he throws a lot more hits than Adam Monrique. So if you have those multi-category scoring systems, then it's Tolvanen easily. Points only, I, I could see the logic. Even though Tolvanen, he's got some some juice with Seattle, he's not getting a ton of assists and a ton of points. So you could still go Monrique if you're just getting points. All right. This one comes from Mariano, and the question is, what's the deal with Morgan Riley? He finally scored, but it's his fantasy value shot. I don't think... His fantasy value is shot. Uh, I was looking at his advanced metrics just to see his play driving. And is, is he showing any signs of real decline or just any problems in his game? And not really. Like his metrics, they're not as good as last season. He had a pretty strong year last year, but they're the same, almost exactly the same as two years ago. So yes, he's having maybe kind of a down year. He's not impacting the play as much, but it's not like he's a bad fantasy defenseman. He's still playing on the top pair. He's back on the top power play unit. He's going to keep getting lots of assists. So it's sort of like maybe he's not your, your number one, your D1 in fantasy right now, which he was going into the season, but he's a perfectly solid D2. And I wouldn't overthinking and try and trade him or drop him in a shallow league because he's still going to end up producing a, you know, a 50-point pace for the rest of the season. I wouldn't worry overall about him. See, there are points when you watch him and just outside of the points, the fancy points perspective, you look at him and say, this guy doesn't look like he's all there at every point. This is not the same Morgan Riley we are used to seeing. And I was wondering if maybe this is a guy where he, he missed some time with an injury. If this is someone where, because again, this is not the best we've seen out of him. Maybe they sit him out a little bit heading into the playoffs and kind of just let him recharge because they know they're going to have to rely on him heavily in the playoffs. And we mm -hmm. saw that specifically in that series against Columbus, and that was a couple of years ago, where it looked like he was playing way too much, way too late in the game, and no one could kind of take over the, the slack there. And when the goaltending wasn't getting the job done, it hurt even more. So he's a guy where it's like, probably could benefit from a bit of a rest right before the playoffs. I don't know if you agree. Yeah, it is a storyline, and we already talked about it, of course, with Nick. But I think for all Leaf players, you have to keep it in mind, and it applies to Lightning players as well, because those two teams are just locked into that matchup. There's going to be potential for random little pockets of load management as the season progresses. So it could knock a tiny tick off the fantasy value of players from those two teams in particular. 
Yep. All right. And last question comes from Jerry. Hello. Any players buy low mode that could be traded at the at NHL and consequently increase their fantasy stock for the rest of the year? Thanks. Okay, so uh, Nick already mentioned Patrick Kane. That's the ultimate obvious buy low because he's the buy low who's producing, you know, barely like a rosterable player in shallow leagues, yet could score at a hundred point pace after the trade, depending on where he goes. But that's pretty obvious. So I'll, I'll just leave that with Kane. We already talked about him a little bit. If you're looking at a player who's not really a buy low, but just could have a big splurge in value or, or surge in value, I should say. Based on a trade, I'm very intrigued by Timo Meyer because he's already such a valuable fantasy player. He scores, he shoots, he gets hits. And if he ends up on a really good team, he's never played on an elite team in his in his career, really, now that he's in his prime. Who knows what the ceiling could be for Timo Meyer? But I know that's not really answering the question. If I'm if I'm giving you just a pure buy low, I'm gonna give you a buy really low. And that's John Klingberg of the Anaheim Ducks. We know before the season he was one of the better fantasy defensemen, better offensive defensemen in the league for the majority of his career so far. It's been a nightmare season in Anaheim, but he is an expiring contract. He will be traded. There's absolutely no reason for the Ducks to keep him. That would be a huge failure. I'm sure he doesn't want to be there anymore either. I'm sure he's hoping to land in a new situation. And whatever team gets him. They know what he's good at. They're going to use him in the top power play role. They're, they're going to play him in the top four. So I think his value is going to suddenly change drastically after the trade deadline. All right. And that's it for the questions. We're going to finish off with the starting lineup. And last week you asked me questions. So this week I'm going to ask you a question. And it is the top six favorite non-hockey athletes. I know mine would be like Jose Bautista and a bunch of race car drivers. But what are yours? Okay, so it's, I think I did the assignment right because I wasn't sure if it was best or favorite, but I, I did go with favorite because best is like you're just sort of opening up a big debate topic. Whereas if it's my favorite, hey, it's my favorite. You can't debate it. It's my yeah, favorite. it's your favorite. It's your favorite. That's right. So I did disqualify just for fun uh, athletes that that existed or, or were, were active before I was born. So I could have said Muhammad Ali. I think his final fight was like when he was fighting Larry Holmes, it was like just before I was born around that time. So I, I wasn't allowed to say him. Couldn't say Hank Aaron, Willie Mays. They were all retired by the time I was born. So athletes that I actually got to watch in their primes. That's the criterion that I'm, I'm using for this. And number six, I'm going to go villain right off the top, Barry Bonds. He is, for my money, the greatest baseball player who ever lived. I don't care about steroids. He was already one of the greatest players ever before he started using steroids. He used steroids out of jealousy when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa started jacking homers. He wanted to show what he could do if he did that to his body. He was already a Hall of Famer at that point. And just his batting eye, his power, he's just the greatest pure hitter who ever lived. He also was, was a good defensive player for much of his career as well. Even though he wasn't likable, it doesn't change the fact that he was an incredible player. And I liked watching him with that swagger as well. Number five, Georges St. Pierre. The reason why I know he makes my list, later in his UFC career, his MMA career, he became a bit more of a boring, safe fighter. But I just remember the way I would hold my breath when he fought. It was like I was watching a family member. There was some emotional investment I had, I guess, the Canadian factor. Just the fact that he was such a humble and studious fighter and someone who was bullied as a kid. It sort of was this success success story. Uh, I just was so invested in his fights and I wanted him to win so badly. And I felt like it, it was like watching a friend or a family member if something bad happened to him in a fight. Uh, so I knew I was just very attached to him as a fighter. So he's definitely on my list. Number four, Tiger Woods. Again, I, I think... There are people out there that just like to hate the superstar because it's boring to cheer for the superstar. I'm different that way. So was my dad just growing up. We loved greatness. We loved to watch the best in the world at something. So we always followed Tiger closely in all his tournaments and there was never anyone like him before or after. He completely changed the sport. His skill set, his body, his torque on his swing, 
he completely revolutionized everything. And it was just, you can't deny it. it was more thrilling when he was in red and making a charge on a Sunday. There was no one quite like him. So he's on my list as well. Number three, begrudgingly, Aaron Rodgers, who probably would have been number one, but he's gotten a little weird in the last couple of years and it hurt because he's someone that I love as a Green Bay Packers fan, just an incredible arm talent, incredible athlete, and a lot of swagger in the game situation, which I really enjoy as well. You know, the championship belt, loved watching him. And yes, his behavior in the last couple of years has just gotten a little out there. So it's taken him down a couple notches. I haven't worn his jersey this year as well. Uh, but if I'm looking at all time, he's up there for sure for me. Number two, going back to the greatness thing, Michael Jordan. I love the intensity. I love the storylines. I love the way he loved to stick it to his competition and make up even fake rivalries in his head, all the things he had to do to pursue his greatness. He was so dominant, so great defensively, and just a pure winner. And again, that was my favorite era of basketball because I just loved watching Michael Jordan do his thing and just have that incredible swagger and, and <laughs> anger on the court. And number one, Roy Halladay, my favorite Toronto Blue Jay. I just love how meticulous he was. You could go to a Roy Halladay start and be be back in your car after two hours and 10 minutes because he was so efficient. He worked quickly. He was he had incredible command and control of his pitches. And he had that intensity, that obsessive work ethic as well that sort of gave him this tough aura around him. So always a huge fan of Doc Halladay. Rest in peace, Doc Halladay, of course. So that is my list from one to 60. See, I never saw Michael Jordan play any sport but i can appreciate a guy who was able to play multiple sports and he did basketball obviously baseball but he's also a team owner in nascar and he's got three race wins in, in just two seasons which is pretty hard to do as a new team so there's that but that's it all right that's impressive and that is it for this week's episode of puck poolies next week it's going to be a special edition because obviously there are not a lot of hockey games being played over the next week but my top 300 updated rankings are going to drop and we will discuss them on the next episode. Thank you for listening and or watching. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 